0: San Jose, California. It's the Frugal Life Podcast. And here's the host, Ricky Hershey. Welcome back. So, today I wanted to talk a little bit about my goals and my vision for the podcast. As you might know, I had a goal to reach 1,000 listeners last month in June. We did not reach that goal. We reached High 200 views or so, or listens, I should say. And so I think I'm adopting this goal again for July. I think I'm also going to start working on the newsletter. So if you'd like to get a newsletter, if you'd enjoy getting a newsletter from me, give me an email. I'm sure I'm going to work out a more sophisticated way to share the email list with people but right now it's just a manual list managed in hubspot we also covered last month our first uh, listener question via twitter which was great and of course we're looking for more engagement from listeners if you have questions please send them to me you can send them on any of the social media channels you can email them to me or if you are adventurous You can send me a voice recording, and I may even feature your voice on the podcast. So that should all be a great experience. You know the firm I work for charges almost $200 an hour for my time, and you get some of it totally free. Sounds like a great deal. And lastly, the campaign for reviews on iTunes slash Stitcher is still in effect. Once we reach 500 on both platforms, I will give out a $25 Amazon gift card. So please leave a review. Tell me what you think. Hopefully it's good. And again, feel free to email me for any reason. If you just want to chat with me, you can do that too. Anything for the listeners. All right, back to the show. Thanks. Okay, we have a great listener question from Reddit this week. So he wants to know how to properly do his taxes since this is his first time ever dealing with stock. That is a great question. New things can be scary, especially when it comes to taxes. But doing taxes on your investments can be pretty easy. You don't need to be a CPA like me to do it. First, Robinhood's going to send you a 1099B. That's just the name of the tax form. Don't worry too much about it. You should be able to use the summary statement on the 1099-B to do your taxes and only need a handful of numbers, at least probably. There might be some other tax considerations that make you need to use more than just the summary on the front of the form, and you might need to include some of the individual transactions. Now, there's something I want to talk about called a wash sale, and let me just read a definition from Charles Schwab.com. If you sell a security at a loss and buy the same or substantially identical stock or security within 30 calendar days before or after the sale, the loss is typically disallowed for current tax purposes. This is because of the wash sale rule. So to translate this a little bit, if you buy a stock, if you own a stock, let's just say Apple, and 30 days before you sell your shares of Apple, you buy more shares of Apple, or after you sell your shares of Apple, 30 days after you sell them, you buy more You've triggered a wash sale. And this basically means that the loss from that sale is disallowed. Now, if you sell your shares of Apple for a gain, you don't have to worry about this because there's no loss. It's only when you have a loss that this comes into play. Now, my advice, which is not investment advice, I'm just giving you an opinion. You want to avoid wash sales for a few reasons. One being they're disallowed, so there isn't a tax benefit to selling. Two, if I remember correctly, wash sales will make it a little bit more difficult to report your investments in aggregate. You'll have to separate them and report them separately when you file your taxes, Uh, Not that they're special or anything. It's just that your basis changes. We don't want to get too technical in this podcast. I want to keep it high level and fun. But in essence, because the loss was disallowed, they have to be tracked just a little bit differently. Anyways, even if you do trigger a wash sale, it's not that big of a deal. You'll be able to enter the transactions in And it'll be okay. It's not the end of the world. So don't worry about it too much. Now, while we're talking about taxes, let's talk a little bit about tax software. In the past, I used H&R Block. And for my first year using them, they offered a totally free return. And I had pretty simple taxes at the time. But in later years, when I used them again, I was surprised because I had to pay a lot of money, like a few hundred dollars. Maybe $150 to do my return. And it turns out that if you have anything other than very, very simple taxes, H&R Block will cost money. And a form, like a 1099B, will cause you to have to upgrade to their deluxe service, which costs more money. So I recommend avoiding H&R Block and TurboTax and those kind of big names. And I instead recommend checking out a service called TaxHawk. So instead of paying over $150 with H&R Block, I spent just $15 with TaxHawk. I think it was actually even less than that, because I used a coupon. Talk about frugal, huh? So if you have a 1099B, or a Schedule C, or some other form, and a Schedule C just for reference is self-employment income, I really recommend something like TaxHawk. So check them out. But don't worry about taxes too much. With Robinhood and TaxHawk, it's all pretty simple to do your taxes. Now, while we're talking about taxes, let's just talk about a few high-level concepts really fast. When you buy and sell a stock, you have capital gains. Assuming you sell it for a gain, otherwise it would be a capital loss. There are two types of capital gains, short-term and long-term. Short-term gains are taxed at ordinary rates. So like the rest of your income, like from a job maybe, it's taxed at the same rate. Whereas long-term capital gains are taxed at preferential rates. And for the majority of people, that's 15%. So you have a tax incentive actually to hold winners for more than a year as when you sell it, you will pay less taxes. Additionally, dividends are also taxed at preferential rates too. And again, it's 15% for most taxpayers. So this is great. Now, of course, circumstances may vary. Maybe you need to sell a stock in less than a year, and that's okay. But if you're really close to that year mark, you might consider holding it just a little bit longer And you will pay less in taxes but always consider what will happen with the stock if you're really really convinced it's going to plummet in value maybe you should sell it but it's kind of hard to know these things in advance okay let's talk about one more concept i don't want this show to be all about taxes so let's just keep this short and high level let's talk about realized and unrealized gains If you have a stock that has increased in value, but you haven't sold it, you have an unrealized gain. And when you actually sell it, you have a realized gain, which also is a recognized gain because you will have to pay taxes. So if you just buy stocks this year and sell nothing, barring dividends, you won't have any realized gains or tax impact. In other words, Just buying stock doesn't have a tax impact. It isn't until you sell or receive a dividend that there's a tax impact. Just as an example, if you buy a tech stock that doesn't pay dividends, you may not pay taxes on your unrealized gains until you finally realize them years down the road when you actually sell it. Now, I don't necessarily actually recommend that, but it's just a thought and an example. So, a few weeks ago, I had to go to a town near Sacramento for a work related trip. In between San Jose and Sacramento, depending how you go, there is a bridge and a toll booth. And so, as I approach the toll booth, first, the toll lanes are a little confusing. There's lanes that are open and take cash, there's lanes that don't take cash, there's closed lanes. Everybody has to merge and get into a lane that's open. Anyways, I didn't see a sign for credit, which is not great because I would much rather put everything on my business card for the business trip. It makes running my expenses much easier. But anyways, I didn't have all that much cash on me. I had a 20 and a 5 in my wallet. I always have some cash on me despite what I tell homeless people that ask. I hope the toll was $5 because I had that ready. And as I got closer, I didn't see any price signs. I also had five quarters in my glove box if I really needed to use it. But when I pulled up to the booth, I finally saw a price six bucks. And what an annoying price to make the toll. So perhaps with a little too much concern in my voice, I asked, Do you have change? Well, they did. And thankfully, I gave the guy a 20 and got some change. I wonder where all my ones go. I never have ones. Normally you know when it's my own money, I avoid tolls. And you can change the settings in Google Maps to avoid tolls, which is my big tip for today. Normally I think tolls aren't worth it. They're a hassle, they're annoying stopping the car, paying the toll, waiting in the line. I think Google Maps didn't even account for that time wasted waiting in line correctly either. I think a lot of people use a fast track lane and didn't have to wait, and so Google Maps just assumed you could just drive right through the toll. And, of course, I don't have a fast-track pass for, like, uh, some random bridge in Sacramento. Even if you don't have to stop for the toll, like the Golden Gate Bridge, it mails you the toll later, but that's actually totally a hassle to deal with, too. So once you account for the time and the hassle of the toll, it probably won't save you that much time. Of course, if you really need to, if it actually will save you time, go for it, do whatever you want, but I say, live the frugal life, save every dollar you can, life's great.